0: So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are a grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Welcome uh, to the mansion of Leaves of Glen. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. Uh, this is where I read the hottest public-made books and short stories. This week, we're going to continue to read The Hound of the Baskervilles by Arthur Conan Doyle. And also hear the glorious noises of my tiny cat, Iggy, who decides he wants to run around the basement acting like he's a man, when actually he's still just a dumb cat. Yeah, go on. Jump on top of that. I don't care if everyone hears it. About the author? Nah, sir. Arthur Ignatius Conan Doyle. Uh, Was born the 22nd of May, 1859. Died the 7th of July, 1930. He's a British writer and physician. He created the character Sherlock Holmes in 1887 for A Study in Scarlet, the first of four novels and 56 short stories about Holmes, 56 of them. Jesus. And Dr. Watson. The Sherlock Holmes stories are milestones in the field of crime fiction. Want to hear some fun facts? Sure, I'm always looking for reasons to hate this guy. He may have perpetuated one of history's greatest scientific hoaxes. Oh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's midlife turn towards spiritualism has been well documented. Uh, we also know of his resultant bitterness when his beliefs weren't taken seriously. Which sounds like a very intelligent, high-minded way of... Handling that uh, but might he Richard Milner wonders have been so bitter toward the scientific establishment that he planted fraudulent evidence of early humans in Piltdown east Sussex why can 't I say that word? The mystery fossils referred to as the Piltdown man puzzled the scientific community for years before being exposed as a hoax. Initially, the Piltdown man is believed to be an early human, something of a, a primate missing link, but later proved to be a fairly modern human cranium paired with the jawbone of, uh, orangutan. Uh, According to Richard Milner and Samuel Rosenberg, Conan Doyle had ample motive, training, and resources to perpetuate the hoax and may have even left clues about it in his work. Well, that all sounds kind of shady. Even the people trying to connect him to it sounds shady. Everything sounds dumb. He once dragged Harry Houdini to a seance. Uh, few friendships sound so much like a bad sitcom premise. Houdini! The magician, with a long track record of skepticism and mystic debunking, and Conan Doyle, the creator of logical, skeptical Sherlock Holmes and erstwhile believer in the supernatural, met while traveling abroad and formed a fast friendship. The friendship, however, was short-lived. Having roped Houdini into a seance, Conan Doyle and his wife claimed to have contacted Houdini's mother—oh, this is lame, that's not a good thing to do—from beyond the grave. The only problem was that their proof, a transcribed letter of her communique, was written in English, which Houdini's mother didn't speak. Houdini was outraged and publicly denounced the author and his wife. Well, good for him, because it sounds like Doyle is just a jackass. Ugh. Should we recap the previous chapter? Sure. Stapleton's a monster. He loves watching horses drown in a bog. Well, uh, with that, uh, how much time do I got until the frickin', oh my god, the clock is nowhere near striking anytime soon. What have I got to say? I've been traveling. I'm a traveling man. I've got air miles and I use them. Uh, I'm a man that's learned that if I can Go to one place, uh, place frequently I'm just going to keep a lot of clothes there So when I actually get on the plane I have almost nothing to carry with me I'm learning how to travel Like a real gentleman I go wearing my jacket My clothes And that's it Whatever's in my pockets And then they'll say You look like a terrorist uh, Why don't you have anything And like, I just like to ride planes Is what I like to say to them I just like to ride them I don't have a destination. As soon as I land somewhere, I just get another plane to go home. Uh, and they don't seem to take kindly to that, but uh, it's my new thing. Got clothes in my destination, and I think anytime I travel anywhere, I'm just going to ship a week's worth of clothes to that location. Hotel room? Doesn't matter. Uh, chargers? For your phone? I'll just keep buying them and throwing them away. Doesn't matter. And then I'll just get on a plane as if I'm just getting on a bus, and nobody's going to look twice at me, except when they think I'm going to it or something. I think I wasted enough time. Any second now the clock's going to strike and then I can move on with my life and start reading the story. Ah, There we go. Oh, that was a good run. That felt good. Well, with that, why don't we get into chapter eight of this uh, magnificent story. 8. First report of Dr. Watson. From this point onward, I will follow the course of events by transcribing my own letters to Mr. Sherlock Holmes, which lie before me on the table. One page is uh, missing, but otherwise they are exactly as written and show my feelings and suspicions at the moment more accurately than my memory. Clear as it is upon these tragic events, can possibly do. Baskerville Hall, October 13th. My dear Holmes... My previous letters and telegrams have kept you pretty well up to date as to all that has occurred in the most godforsaken corner of the world. The longer one stays here, uh, the more does the spirit of the Moor sink into one's soul. It's vastness, and also it's grim charm. Uh, When you are once out upon its bosom, you have left all traces of modern England behind you, but on the other hand, you are conscious everywhere of the homes and the work of the prehistoric people." This is kind of insulting, like you leave the city and you're like, Ah, I'm in a desert, arcane land amongst prehistoric people. What a turd! On all sides of you as you walk are the houses, Oh, jeez, that was a burp of these forgotten folk, with their graves and huge monoliths, which are supposed to have marked their temples. And as you look at their grey stone huts against the scarred hillsides, you leave your own age behind you. And if you were to see a skin-clad, hairy man crawl out of the low door, "'fitting a, a, a flint-tipped arrow onto the string of his bow. you "'What the heck? "'As you would feel in the presence, there was more natural than your own. Uh, "'The strange thing is that they would have lived so thickly "'on what must always have been most unfruitful soil. "'I am no antiquarian, but I can imagine that "'they were some uh, unwarlike and harried race "'who were forced to accept that which none other would occupy. "'This guy is a jerk.' All this, however, is foreign to the mission on which you sent me and will probably be very uninteresting to your severely practical mind. Yeah, I can still remember your complete indifference as to whether the sun moved round the earth or the earth round the sun. Uh, let me therefore return to the facts concerning Sir Henry Baskerville. If you had not had any report uh, within the last few days, it's, it's because up to today there's nothing of importance to relate. Ugh. Uh, Then a very surprising circumstance occurred, uh, which I shall tell you in due course, but first of all, I must keep you in touch with some of the other factors in the situation. Uh, One of these, concerning which I have said little, is the escaped convict upon the moor. (laughs) There's a strong reason now to believe that he has got right away, uh, which is considerable relief to the lonely householders of the district. A fortnight has passed since his flight, during which he has not been seen, and nothing has been heard of him. It is uh, surely inconceivable that he could have held out upon the moor all that time. Of course, so far as his concealment goes, there is no difficulty at all. Uh, Any one of these stone huts would give him a hiding place, but there's nothing to eat unless he were to Catch and slaughter one of the more sheep. We think, therefore, that he is gone, and the outlying farmers sleep in the be- in the better. In consequence, and we are uh, four able-bodied men in this household, uh, so that we could take good care of ourselves. But I confess that I have an uneasy moments when I have thought of the Stapletons. They live miles from any help. Uh, there are there are one maid, uh, an old manservant, uh, uh, the, the sister, and the uh, oh, uh, oh and the brother. The latter, not a very strong man, eh, but he would be helpless in the hands of a desperate fellow like this Notting Hill criminal. If he could once effect an entrance, both Sir Henry and I were concerned at their situation, and it was suggested that uh, Perkins, the groom, should go over to sleep there, but Stapleton would not hear of it. The fact is that our friend, the Baronet, begins to display a considerable interest in our fair neighbor, uh, it's not to be wondered at, for time hangs heavily in this lonely spot to an active man like him. And she is a very fascinating, beautiful woman. Oh, there's something, there's something tropical and exotic about her, which forms a singular contrast to her cool and unemotional brother. Uh, yet he also gives the idea of a hidden vice. Uh, uh, he has certainly a very marked influence over her. Eh, but I have seen her continually glance at him as she talked, as seeking approbation for what she said. I trust that uh, he is kind to her, and there is a a dry glitter in his eyes and a firm set of his his thin lips, which goes with a positive, possibly a harsh nature. Oh, that's right. He's got a very delicate nose. I forgot about that. Ah, you would find him an interesting study. Came over to call upon basketball on that very day, and the very next morning he took us both to show us the spot where the legend of the wicked Hugo is supposed to have had its origin. Oh, it's an excursion of some miles across the moor to a place which is so dismal uh, that it might have suggested the story. Oh, we found a short valley between rugged tors, which led upon an open, grassy space, flecked. Uh, With the white cotton grass And in the middle of it Rose two great stones Worn and sharpened At the upper end Until they looked like The huge corroding fangs Of some monstrous beast Oh, in every way It was corresponded With the scene Of the old tragedy Sir Henry was much interested And asked Stapleton More than once Whether he really did believe In the possibility Of interference Of the supernatural In the affairs of men Oh, he spoke lightly Yeah, it is evident That he was very much In earnest Uh, Stapleton was guarded In his replies But it was easy to see That he said less that he might and that he would not express his whole opinion out of consternation for his feelings of the baronet. All he told us of similar cases where families had suffered for some evil influence and left us with the impression that he shared the popular view upon the matter. On the way back, uh, we stayed for lunch yeah, at the Merripit House. Yeah, and that, uh, there is that Sir Henry made the acquaintance of Miss Stapleton. And from the first moment that he saw her, he appeared to be strongly attracted to her. Hmm. And I am much mistaken if the feeling is not mutual. He referred to her again uh, and again on our walk home. And since then, hardly a day has passed that we have not seen something of the brother and sister. Ah, oh, they dine here tonight. Ugh. There's some talk of our going to them next week. One would imagine that such a match would be very welcome to Stapleton. And yet I have more than once caught a look of the strongest disprobation in his face, when Sir Henry has been paying some attention to his sister? Oh, he's much attracted to her, or attached to her, no doubt, and uh, would lead a lonely life without her. Well, then go get your own girlfriend. Stop weirdly creeping around your sister. But it would seem at the height of selfishness if he were to stand in the way of her making so brilliant a marriage. Yet I am certain that he does not wish their intimacy to ripen into into love. And I have had several times observed that he has taken pains to prevent them from being tête à tête. Uh, by the way, your instructions to me never to allow Sir Henry to go out alone will become very much more ominous, onerous if a love affair were to be added to our other difficulties. Uh, my popularity would soon suffer if I were to carry out your orders to the letter. Uh, uh, the other day, uh, uh, Thursday, to be more exact, uh, Dr. Mortimer lunched with us. He's been excavating a barrel. at uh, long down, he's got a prehistoric skull. Oh, look at this, which fills him with great joy. Oh, we just learned about this from the uh, fun facts. "'Never was there such a single-minded enthusiast as he. "'Oh, oh, the Stapletons came in afterwards, "'and the good doctor took us all into the U Alley "'at Sir Henry's request to show us exactly "'how everything occurred upon that fatal night. "'Oh, it's a long, dismal walk, "'and the U Alley, between the two high walls of Clipped Hedge, uh, "'with a narrow band of grass on either side, uh, "'at the far end, is uh, is an old, tumbled-down summer house.' Uh, halfway down is the moor gate, where the old gentleman left his cigar ash, and it's a white wooden gate with a latch, and beyond it lies the wide moor. Well, I guess I'm already done, because this is just boring the hell out of me. Uh, there's only one way to pep me up. Only one way to change my mood, and get me feeling frisky, give me some energy. Uh, I can't sit over here reading this crap without someone spicing things up for me a little bit. Why don't we, uh... I don't know. Go up to the master bedroom for a minute. Just to take a little time for the two of us. Just the two of us. Why don't we go up to the master bedroom? Come on, let's go upstairs. Stop being such a crazy person about it. Just get up there and go have some fun. (laughs) Yeah. All right, I'm coming. I'm coming. Here I come. Uh, Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know what you're going for here. You dress like a Saint Bernard, with one of those weird little barrels around your neck. Uh, what do you keep it in that barrel? Some kind of alcohol or something? A root beer? What the hell? Uh, why are you dressed like this? What do you know that I don't know about us reading the next uh, romance novel from Penguin Random House book on the bed? Oh, uh, oh, you left a book. Bu- this is the book, bu- Le- Love and Let Bark. A Hearts of Alaska novel? Oh Jesus. This is the worst romance segment yet. Love and Let Bark by Alana Martin, part of the Hearts of Alaska series. Ugh. It's up to two rescue husky puppies to convince their owners it's never too late for a second leash on love, fuck. Ugh. (laughs) When Nate Porter left Helen, Alaska to become a firefighter with the foresters, uh, he claimed it was because he craved adventure now yeah, but the truth was he couldn't stand to hang around pining for a girl in the town's century old feud it meant that he could never he could never have a century old feud seriously in these modern times but Nate got over Lydia's Lippin Lydia Lippin Ugh kill me. Years ago. Or so he thought until he learns that an old rival's come stiffing. Oh my god, every trope on earth. The solution, a trip home with his rescue puppies to prove himself completely extinguished that old flame. Lydia Lippin has always been satisfied being the good Lippin daughter. Dutiful, practical, and always putting others before herself. But uh, that role begins to chafe as Nate's return ignites Old memories. No one in town knew about their secret friendship or those forbidden kisses that they stole in summer after graduation. Suddenly, Nate and his puppies are everywhere. Oh, Christ, the sparks are flying. When Nate realizes he never got over Lydia, ah, uh, he'll risk everything for a second chance. But Lydia's not a risk taker. Uh, she has to make a choice. Play it safe and pretend their summer fling was just puppy love. Or step out of the family shadow and unleash her heart. Ugh, there's actually praise for this. Hard on a leash, had my heart from page. Oh my god. Whether you're a dog lover, a cat lover, or romance lover, you're sure to fall head over heels for this book. Sarah Smith, author of, author of Simmer Down. Ugh. With two charming leads, three irresistible pups, and a small town unlike any I've read before. Really? Never read this before. It's every trope on earth. Hard on a leash, tugged at my emotions and warmed my soul. The perfect book to snuggle up with and savor. Really? Rachel Lynn Solomon, author of The X Talk. Ugh. Well, hopefully that sold you on a book that I'm never going to read. Uh, Love and Let Bark by Alana Martin. Yeah, It comes out on uh, November 30th, so coming any day now. From Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, Bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, IndieBound, Powell's Target, and Walmart... Christ, that was deflating. Take off that dog suit and give me the root beer. Oh, it's warm. How long has it been sitting around your neck? Let's go back downstairs and finish reading this story. Well, that just made me angry. It's a... I guess it's a thin line between horny and angry, and I found it. Where do we leave off? uh, Beyond it lies the wide moor. I remembered your theory of the affair uh, and tried to picture all that had occurred. As the old man stood there, he saw something coming across the moor, something which terrified him so that he he lost his wits and ran and ran until he died of sheer horror and exhaustion. There was the long, gloomy tunnel down which he fled. From what? A sheepdog of the moor? Or a a, a spectral hound? Black and silent and monstrous. There was a human agency in the matter? Did the pale, watchful Barrymore know more than he cared to say? Oh, it's all dim and fake, but always there is the dark shadow of crime behind it. Uh, One other neighbor I've met since I wrote last. This is Mr. Franklin of uh, Laughter Hall, (laughs) who lives some four miles to the south of us, and he is an elderly man... Uh, Red-faced, alcoholic, white-haired, old, and caloric. Ooh, what does caloric mean in this case? I mean, I'm guessing orange. What? Oh, like cholera? Go on. Oh, bad-tempered and irritable. Caloric. all right, fine, whatever. His passion is for the British law and he has spent a large fortune in litigation. He, uh, he fights for the mere pleasure of fighting and he is equally ready to take up the other side of a question so that it is no wonder that he has found it a costly amusement. Sometimes he will shut up and right away and defy the parish to make him open it, at others he will, uh, with his own hands tear down some other man's gate and declare that a path has existed there from time immemorial to find the owner that prosecute him for trespass. He is learned in old uh, learned in old manorial and communal rights, and he applies his knowledge sometimes in favor of the villagers of Fernworthy, and sometimes against them. Yeah, he doesn't care, didn't give a shit, just does whatever whatever mood strikes him. So that he is periodically either carried in triumph down the village street or else burned in effigy. Sounds like a great life. According to his latest exploit, uh, he is said to have about seven lawsuits uh, upon his hands at present and will probably swallow up the remainder of his fortune, and so draw his sting and leave him harmless for the future. Apart from the law, he seems a, a kindly, uh, good-natured person. Yeah, And I only mention him because you were so particular that I should uh, send some description of the people who surround us. Uh, he is curiously employed at present for being an amateur astronomer. Uh, he has an excellent telescope <laughs> with which he lies upon the roof of his own house and, and sweeps the moor all day in the hope of catching a glimpse of the escaped convict. If he should uh, confine his energies to all this would be well, but there are rumors that he intends to prosecute Dr. Mortimer for opening a grave without the consent of the next of kin because he dug out the Neolithic skull in the barrel of a uh, long Down. He, uh, he helps uh, to keep our lives from being monotonous and gives a little comic relief yeah, where it is badly needed. And now, having brought you up to date to the escaped convict, the Stapletons, Dr. Mortimer, and Franklin of Laughter Hall, let me end on what is the most important and tell you more about the Barrymores, uh, and especially about the surprising development of the last night. Uh, first of all... Uh, About the uh, test telegram, which you sent from London in order to make sure that Barrymore was really here, I have already explained that the testimony of the Postmaster shows that the test was worthless, and that there would be no proof one way or the other. And I told Sir Henry how the matter stood, and uh, he, at once, in his downright fashion, had Barrymore up and asked him whether he had reserved the telegram himself. And Barrymore said that he had. Uh, did the boy deliver it into your own hands? Asked Sir Henry, and Barrymore looked surprised and considered it a little time. Uh, no, said he. I was in the box room at the time. Uh, my wife brought it up to me. Uh, did you answer it yourself? Didn't we read this in the previous chapter? It's like we're reading the same thing again. Is this how you pad a book to make sure you got enough pages in it? Just repeat the same stuff? No. I told my wife what to answer, and she went down to write it. "'And in the evening he recurred to the subject of his own accord. "'I could not quite understand the object of your questions this morning, Sir Henry,' said he. "'I trust that they did not mean that I did not, uh, have not done anything to forfeit your confidence.' Oh, "'Sir Henry had to assure him that it was not so, and pacify him by giving him a considerable part of his old wardrobe, "'the London outfit having now all arrived.' Uh, Mrs. Barrymore is of an interest to me. Uh, she is a heavy uh, solid person, very very limited, intensely respectable, and inclined to be puritanical. Uh, you could hardly conceive a less emotional subject yet, I have told you how, on the first night here, I heard her sobbing bitterly. And since then, I have uh, more than once observed traces of tears upon her face, uh, some deep sorrow gnaws at her heart, And sometimes I wonder if she has a guilty memory which haunts her. And sometimes I suspect Barrymore of being a domestic tyrant. I have always that's a cute way of saying it, like abusive. I have always felt that there was something singular and questionable in this man's character, but the adventure of last night brings all my suspicions to a head. And yet, it may seem a small matter in itself. "'Oh, you are aware that I am not a very sound sleeper, "'and since I have been on guard in this house, "'my slumbers uh, have been, uh, ooh, lighter than ever. Uh, "'Last night, about two in the morning, "'I was aroused by the stealthy, stealthy step passing my room. "'Ooh, I rose and opened my door, "'and I peeped, I peeped out. "'A long black shadow was trailing down the corridor "'and it was thrown by a man who walked softly down the passage "'with a candle held in his hand. "'Oh, he was, uh, he was in shirt and, and trousers, "'and with no covering to his feet.' I could barely see the outline, but this, uh, his height told me that it was Barrymore. Oh, He walked very slowly and cir- uh, circumspectly. Yeah, that was a tough one for me to kick out of my mouth, but I got it out. And there was something indescribably guilty and furtive in his whole appearance. I have told you... "'That the corridor is broken by the balcony, which runs round the hall, "'and that is resumed on the farther side. I, "'I waited until he had passed out of sight, and then I followed him. "'And when I came round the balcony, he had reached the end of the farther corridor, "'and I could see uh, the end of the farther corridor. "'I could see from the glimmer of the light upon an open door "'that he had entered one of the rooms. "'Now, all these rooms are unfurnished and unoccupied, "'so that is, uh, his expedition became more mysterious than ever.' Oh, the light shone steadily as if he were standing motionless. I, I, I crept down the passage as noiselessly as I could, and I, and, I, and I peeped. I peeped round the corner of the door. Barrymore was crouching at the window with a candle held against the glass. His profile was half turned toward me, and his face seemed to be rigid with expectation as he stared out into the blackness of the moor. For some minutes, he stood watching intently. Then he gave a deep groan With an impatient gesture He put out the light Instantly I made my way Back to my room And very shortly Came the stealthy steps Passing once more Upon their uh, their journey Long afterwards When I had fallen Into a light sleep I heard the key Turn somewhere in a lock And I could not tell Whence the sound came Uh, What it all means I cannot guess But there is some Secret business going on In this house of gloom Which sooner or later We should get to the bottom of And I did not trouble you With my theories, for you ask me to furnish you only with facts. I have had a long talk with Sir Henry this morning, and we have made a plan of campaign founded upon my observations of last night, and I will not speak about it just now, isn't that the whole point of writing this, but it should make my next report interesting reading. Well, that was dumb. Uh, Why don't we uh, retire into the uh, smoking room where we can talk about something that's important to me for a change. Uh, something as important as, uh, I've had some things go on in my life, things that are difficult, uh, things that are hard to to deal with. A man sometimes needs help. And when I found that I needed the most help, I went to DoorGlass Incorporated, DoorGlass.com, that's dot com. Oh, I called them up, and they said, DoorGlass.com, uh, how can we help you? And I said, I've been having a problem, a personal problem in my life. And they said, you want windows? And I said, no, I'm having problems in my life. I don't think people at my work respect me, and I'm tired of it. And they said, uh, do any of those people want windows? And I said, no, what I want is for my coworkers to actually respect me. And then they said, oh, well, Do you actually do work? And they said, well, no. I managed to work there for the last six months without actually producing anything. And I've been pretty proud of that so far. You don't think that that's the reason why they don't respect me? They said, well, maybe not. They said, sometimes life is like a transparent surface. Oh, when it's dark on one side and light on your side, all you see is uh, your own reflection. And boy, you think it looks good. Oh, you look great. Because all you're seeing is what you want to see. You can't see the other side. And I said, go on, Door Glass Incorporated. Keep talking. And they said, ah, oh, but well, you know, when the light changes, when you get a new perspective... uh What you do is you see the light on the other side. It's darker on your side. You see there's a whole other world out there. A world you weren't even aware of because you're too focused looking at your own reflection when the light was just right. But now you see there's a whole world out there full of co-workers. They're all looking at you with angry little eyes and deep creases on their faces of disgust. Oh, they've been watching you preen in front of what's basically a mirror for the last God knows how many months thinking you're pretty cool stuff, but they're just watching you kind of emotionally and psychologically masturbate in front of this mirror. I know they're sick of it, and that's your problem. You need a better perspective. And at DoorGlass Incorporated, that's D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S dot com, uh, we can help. We do commercial storefronts, automatic entrances, windows, patio doors, mirrors, shower doors, installation repair, and we'll even build something for you if you ask for it. Oh, our clients are Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma, Sherman Williams, Portillo's, some kind of sandwich shop, I don't give a crap, the Salt Cave, which is for weirdos, and uh, and uh, burp. Applebee's and the thing you need to know is that we're known for our professionalism our integrity and uh, this conversation we had right now we're going to keep between the two of us because we're discreet well with that uh, why don't we recap this chapter Well, uh, what happened? Nothing. This was a fluff chapter. This is like when you watch a movie and suddenly there's like a side character that they just kind of like let have too much dialogue. Uh, Watson writes back to Holmes and just says, Small towns really suck. Uh, And gets really insulting. Just uh, They're like savages, like primeval man and stuff. It's just weird. Uh, Talks about a woman in kind of an unflattering way. Uh, Talks about a man's thin lips as if they're somehow handsome. I've seen Kenneth Branagh. Uh, his thin lips don't hold up well over age, but most Englishmen don't. Uh, what else? Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Then he just talks about everything we already read in the previous chapter, basically making us reread what we've already read. And uh, talks about some other litigious guy who is a huge jerk and just kind of likes to play God with people, uh, their lives by suing him all the time. And then, uh, but then somehow he's also likable and he's also really into astronomy. Good for him. He's got a really great telescope. Uh, And also that there's a a man on the loose, a a madman who's been running around and everyone's kind of looking for him, but he's convinced he's gone, which I'm sure is going to come back and he's not gone. Can't see that coming from a mile away. Uh, What's good about this? Um, that it was short. This is a short episode, I mean, except for me babbling. It would have been even shorter. It'd be like a fifteen-minute-long episode. Uh What sucks? Fluff. This is an author whose publisher or editor probably said, "You got to get more pages in. We're not going to publish this unless we can get it bound with a certain number of pages." And it's like, "Oh, don't worry. I got a, a secret trick for that." I. I'm a genius author. I'm just going to repeat the same shit people already read. And I could do that maybe three more times in the book. And all oh, this is going to be like, this is going to be like war and peace. Just really repetitive. Uh, eh, it's, a, it's a literary effort by a man who's dying for people to think he's intelligent. Uh, what did we learn? Uh, we learned uh, about hubris. Hubris of people that consider themselves writers. Uh, it's a strong hubris. that's undeniable And in your face. So with that, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for putting up with my burps. And uh, and I don't know. I got got a tip for you after the holidays would be uh, mind your own business. No one really cares what you think. Stop talking so much. Stop trying to impose your opinions upon people. Nobody gives a crap. So I hope you take that to heart. Try to use it when Christmas rolls around. there's only one left.